Welcome back to Sundays Are for the Boys. I'm your host, Nathan Jones, joined once again by my co-host, Avery C. We've got a packed episode for you today. We're going to be talking about the coaching situation with the Dallas Cowboys, some Cole Beasley drama, and some of our season awards to a lot of the players, our MVP picks and whatnot. So without further ado, let's dive into this coaching thing. Um, if you haven't heard, Scott Winahan is no longer with the team. <laughs> Round of applause. <laughs> um, that's, I mean, Cowboys fans are happy. Twitter was exploding oh, on the it, news. The mob just came out. It, yeah, I don't, I, can't, I don't think I saw one negative, you know, comment concerning, you know, him getting fired. Well, I mean, it's not always, not, never good to have somebody fired, but, you know, it's good everyone, team. everyone agrees it was the best thing to do. You know, they say it was a mutual thing, but, Apparently sat down, you know Jerry Jones, and they they decided, you know, they want to move in a different direction with this offense. Thank the Lord. Yeah, I do think it could have been a good uh, Scott Linehan. He could go to play, coach college somewhere as an offensive coordinator, so he could he could get a job somewhere. Probably not in the NFL. Um, I think the just the stigma of like archaic offense that like, you heard that all the time with our the Cowboys offense. I think that. It will just turn off teams from wanting to bite on him. But um, for the Cowboys, it's awesome. They haven't addressed that void yet. There's no offensive coordinator that's been elected or brought in. John Kitna, if you remember him, Cowboys fans, he was a backup quarterback and actually started some games in Dallas. But he was actually a really good backup. Um, he was brought in. The title is not known. Jerry Jones was like, we'll figure out a title eventually. But I think the general consensus is that he's going to be, John Kitna will be, become the quarterback coach, and Kellen Moore will become the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And that sounds very scary, but if you look at Kellen Moore's background at Boise State, they ran the most complicated offense in college football. His dad was a coach. Like he's from a long, um, kind of like the Belichicks, not comparing him to Belichick, obviously, but like he has a family of, they're all coaches. And he said he's wanted to be a coach for a long time. You can actually go watch a video with um, him and Gruden in the John, Gruden yeah. QB camp. And he, it just shows that he's from he came from a system with a lot of different formations and special little tricks. Yeah, it's not like he does not know how to, you know, an, an NFL offense. Yeah, supposedly today Travis Frederick was talking on the radio and he was saying that Kellen Moore is probably a football genius Mm -hmm. yeah they were saying about a lot of those touchdowns the Cowboys had this year was you know helped and developed by uh Moore yeah he said yeah one of those play which play do you think that might have been I don't know actually Mm. yeah if this if the play with like that fake end around handoff to Zeke dish it back out to Zeke that was when that was developed in 2016 when he was in that like sort of quarterback coach role but he's technically a player yeah he's in that role that would be cool but so that's exciting at least that that should that's at least a like a good sign for cowboys nation yeah i know a lot of you know people want a new they're all kind of like oh is this a good move they want a new guy to come in you know they want to pretty much revamp this offense but you know looking at more he's been in the back seat for pretty much his whole career and he, I, he's learned a lot of stuff you know, he, he helps develop a lot of the schemes that, you know, the Cowboys have used. 
And if uh, Jason Garrett is now, which is assumed to be more in, co- in control of the play calling, and you let Kellen Moore, you know, be that guy who really develops and you know makes those schemes uh, almost to perfection and stuff, I think it could be actually a really good, you know, offensive play calling, you know, team. Team. Yeah. Yeah. I just I, I like the idea to a degree of Kellen Moore being offensive coordinator, but I do not like the idea of this. He's an inexperienced coach, right? He's never been in that situation. I don't like that the idea of an inexperienced coach being the play caller. And so I think that unless they bring in somebody from the outside, which Jerry Jones says that all the next hirings for coaches will be just like promotions from within. Um, I think Garrett, he's done that before, and he's actually been rather successful at it. I'm going to read you. Um, for, he was the offensive coordinator and play caller from 2007 to 2012. Our passing offenses ranked as follows. 4th, ninth, 6th, 6th, 7th, and 3rd. And so, that was pretty good. They didn't really have a running game back then. So, And you say, well, it was Tony Romo. Yeah, Tony Romo, when he honestly, he was not that good. I think we sometimes just are still salty that Dak started over Tony Romo in 2016. That we kind of change history in our minds. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, if this is something crazy that I found. People talk about how Dak's not progressing enough. So this is Dak's third year. He averages 243.2 yards per game, 2.25 touchdowns per game. That's rushing in, throwing. 1.375 turnovers per game, 7.4 yards per attempt. If you look at Tony Romo, 266.6 yards per game. So more yards per game than Dak. Two touchdowns per game compared to 2.25 for Dak. And 1.6 turnovers per game compared to 1.375 turnovers per game. That could be fumbles, yeah. interceptions all combined. And he did have 7.7 yards per attempt to Dak's 7.4. Those are almost, I mean, just box score. Those are, are almost identical. Yeah, Dak's going to get paid. Dak's going to get paid. And I, I that's my one like advice to Cowboys Nation is people now who are praising Tony Romo, and they're like, I love him, right? They hated him. They liked him in this first year, but they hated him in those middle years when he was growing, and he didn't. He wasn't from one, year one to year two Tom Brady, right? It took time, mm-hmm. and then he developed into the person in 2015. We People were making memes that he was like the second coming of Christ. Like, we need him back, <laughs> right? And don't say that, well, Tony Romo had no help. He that year, help. he had 13 Pro Bowl. He, there's 13 total Pro Bowlers on the team. That's a Cowboys record. And this year, Dak at eight. They both have help. It's in this point of the career. The problem with Tony Romo is that they eventually stopped helping the offense. And so then he struggled even more. So I mean, when people say Dak needs more help, that's not a knock on Dak. That's just being truthful and saying he's a, an unpolished quarterback. He needs help in certain areas. But let's, let's just be realistic and how bad or good of a quarterback is. He's a good quarterback. He's a good quarterback who needs help with mechanics and stuff. Basically. Yeah, I, he's he, not an all-around bad QB. There's some technical stuff that, of course, you know, he can work on, just like every QB. He's not a perfect QB. Yeah, I think this year proved that he's the franchise quarterback. Yeah. That franchise quarterback does not mean he's a perfect quarterback. <laughs> what quarterback in the league doesn't need help to be successful? Aaron Rodgers. He's putting up crazy stats, but look where his team is. Yep. Didn't even come close to the playoffs. Like it, t- it takes a team. Yeah. But yeah, I think 
Kellen Moore, he's kind of, I think his age kind of does help as offensive coordinator. Because if Kellen Moore is helping develop this new system and Jason Garrett's taking from it and just like calling a place throughout the game, like going with the flow and understanding the pace of the game, I think Kel- Kellen Moore has an advantage because he's around the same age as Dak. And so there can be that trust between Dak and him. And they're like, hey, I've been in your shoes before, right? Obviously, Kellen Moore's never been like, well, he has started for the Cowboys, but he's never been like the number the like number one quarterback, right? But I think that I think there's stuff, there's something exciting about all of this that we can't ju- we it's can't different. we can't know. It's different. You don't really see this that often, you know. Yeah. A young, you know, guy who really has no offensive play calling experience. He was he's just recently, you know, these past couple years. I think was it only this year this or year. was it last year too? That he was this year. It was just this year that he was the QB coach. Yeah. So he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. And so, I mean, you don't really see that often. He has, you know, not a lot of coaching under his belt. And also, we're going to upgrade him to offensive coordinator. It's different, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It could blow up in the Cowboys' face. And I, I, if it does, I expect them to fix it. But, I mean, it could be a really good thing. I see. I think because I have such a, like, a, there could be such good out of it and such badness out of it I think this is Jerry Jones basically telling Jason Garrett Jason Garrett you have your franchise quarterback you have your the best running back arguably in the league you have a stud wide receiver and a great defense and your whole coaching staff is comprised of people of Garrett guys right Mm -hmm. it's time for you to either sink or swim if you guys have a good offense and we go in the playoffs and do yeah get over that hump get to the the NFC championship. championship Garrett is extended you're the you're for sure the coach for the next five years or six years, right? But if, I think this is his last straw with Garrett. It's like I'm putting all the cards on the table. Do something with them. Yeah, and so that's exciting. So we are about to go talk about Cole Beasley and the drama he's had on Twitter. But first, let me tell you about Dallas-Football-News.com. It's our partnering blog, and if you go to the shop over there and sign up for our newsletter, you can get ten percent off your next purchase in all items on the shop there's coffee mugs t-shirts my favorite one is a cowboys t-shirt with jerry jones and like sunglasses on them and underneath it says jerry right we're going to keep on adding new items to that shop you can get 10 percent off just by signing up for the newsletter you'll also be emailed with our latest articles blogs podcasts items etc so just head over to dallas-football-news.com and sign for that that link will be in the description so a few days ago, Cole Beasley took to Twitter like he's done a few times, and some fan tweeted at him, torn between wanting Beasley to stay in Dallas and also wanting to see him make the money he deserves and jump into a system that will utilize his skills, hoping the Cowboys can make both happen. Right? I think you, Avery, and I, we, we both agree that he could Cole Beasley could make a lot of money somewhere else like Green Bay, Kansas City, Patriots, Patriots would be perfect. Like There's a lot of good spots that he could fit in make more money and, you know, make a Pro Bowl and more yardage, etc. But Colby's responded to that utilization is more important than money. So just take his words. That's Colby's saying that he doesn't care as much about the money as he does about just getting opportunities. Yeah. He wants to help the team win. He, he wants to help that in a couple other tweets. Exactly. Th- this season was weird with Colby's A few games he would be targeted like two or three times. 
In his other games, they had 11 targets for 11 receptions, over 100 yards. And it was just really inconsistent. When you thought he was going to have a big game, he didn't. But if you just look at the tape, that's not Cole Beasley's fault. Yeah. He gets open. Every time he's in main coverage, he gets open. He's one of the, besides Amari Cooper, he's the best route runner on our team. That's Yeah, and at the beginning of the season, it was Cole Beasley. You know, we didn't have Amari Cooper. So he went through a whole change, you know, like, we think Cole Beasley's going to be that number one guy. Or, you know, even Hearns in all offseason, we're like, all right, I guess Hearns is going to be that number one. And then Cole Beasley, you know, I had a couple games where I guess Cole Beasley's going to emerge as our number one. He really doesn't. We're in a big slump. We're now three and five. And then we go get, you know, Cooper. And then we're on the come up. But, yeah, he had a, he had a really weird season. Kind yeah, of and he talks, about, he talks about the Cooper thing because somebody was saying he was, the, like, the number one wide receiver. He basically responded saying, like, even before Amari Cooper – before and after Mark Cooper, my number of targets didn't change, right? And he was supposed to be that number one. And he, he did do more stuff on the outsides, not just in the slot this year, which I think that shows how he just grew as a wide receiver. He did do some different stuff, but, like, the targets weren't there. And if you look at every EPA chart, which is basically calculating the more times you give a player opportunities and touches, the, like, how it correlates to actually scoring points... Amari Cooper's number one, which means basically the more times he gets the ball, the more likely, like the more functional the offense is. Cole Beasley's right behind him, right? And you wouldn't think that you're, he's a little like tiny white slot receiver, but he moves the chains. And this year he's made some big plays, run after catch. That I think that's one way he really expanded his game this year. Mm-hmm. And so somebody tweeted, well, Linehan is gone, which I think – I agree with that. I would think that if Linehan's gone, you get a more competent offensive coordinator calling plays. Beasley would be more involved in the play calling. That just makes sense. And Cole Beasley responded, honestly, the front office pushes who they want to get the ball to. I haven't been a huge priority in that regard. Maybe that will change, but I'm not sure. More balls come my way in two-minute drill where nothing is planned. Right? And so he's basically sort of taking a shot at this, I mean, just on face value, this kind of, it sounds like he's trying to say that. He's not there's, schemed there's, into the offense almost. But Yeah, but it's not the coach's fault. It's the Jared Jones and the the Joneses, the front office, which I don't know how true that is. I don't know how Cole Beasley would have any inside knowledge, honestly. I don't think that Jared Jones is meeting with a non-quarterback about anything, really, yeah. related to game plan and such so that's how he feels though and so people were responding like crap like that means Colby's gone like peace out right mm-hmm. and so somebody tweeted well thanks for all the years bees good luck and Colby's responded doesn't mean I'm gone I'll play anywhere where I can make more of an impact I would love for that to be Dallas or anywhere else that would give me more possibilities to make an impact I just want a ball it's hard with three to four opportunities a game and so this might just be a tactic to tell Jerry and the front office. It's like, listen, come to me with an offer. Don't do a Des Bryant thing. Don't even offer. Say, you know what? We were thinking about giving you a pay um, pay cut, but I'll be disrespectful to you, right? And Des Bryant later was saying, it's like, I don't care as much about the money. I just wanted to play for the Cowboys. I think that's what Cole Beasley's doing. He's kind of like setting a foundation so – so they know what's his mindset, and so if so when if they do release him and don't offer him a contract, 
people realize it's not Cole Beasley being like a selfish player. He wanted to be part of the Cowboys. Being wanting more targets is not yeah. a selfish thing, especially when the stats prove that when he gets targets, the team does better. That's what good players want the ball. Good players understand that when they get the ball, good things happen. Right? This isn't a self. You can't get mad, Cole Beasley, for tweeting out all of this. And so there's, you can go on Twitter and see all this stuff. The last tweet he had said, Some are misunderstanding my point. Every team's game plan in pro sports is dictated by the front office. Big free agent additions, high draft picks, etc. are going to get the most opportunities. And I'm not mad at that. Lol. LOL. I just wanted to help my team win. All good players want the rock. So that first part of that tweet, he's kind of backtracking. saying He's like, no, I'm not saying there, there's this conspiracy. I'm saying that maybe the coaches have an inclination to make sure the big free agents and additions get more targets. And so if, I don't think that's 100% true either, though. Amari Cooper was not getting 10-plus targets a game. Yeah, no, he wasn't. That was a big disrespectful thing that the coaching staff was doing. They had this great player that they only, I think they only threw 10-plus targets in like one or two games. It was like one game. Yeah, it's, it, it was, they would give him like six targets and happen to catch six of them for 100 yards. Like, yeah. <laughs> and so that's how he feels. He, he probably does know more stuff than the pop, general population. But that's the last thing and lastly on his video... Yeah, do you think we're do you think we're gonna re-sign Beasley or do you think he's gonna go somewhere else? I'm actually more optimistic, mainly because Linehan. I think Cole Beasley is kind of just using that saying gain like leverage. Like yeah. it doesn't matter, like because that could be just something Jerry Jones says like, look, he's gone, and he'd be like, well, it's not his fault that he get touches, right? Mm-hmm. I, if I say if he's here versus not here, I would say. 40-60. 60% likely that he's not here next year. Mm-hmm. And so, for draft needs, that's a obviously a big void to fill. And so, let's kind of end on a, a fun note. Um, we're going to play a game. Basically, we're going to give all of our different awards for all the Cowboys players, like offensive and defensive MP, rookie of the year, stuff like that. So, let's start off with just the basic. Avery, who do you have as the Cowboys' offensive MVP? I'm going to go with uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, that's the obvious choice for me. I mean, whenever, you know, you just can't, this offense can't really function without Zeke, in my opinion. I mean, they can, but not to a very efficient level. What about New York York Giants against New York without Zeke? No, no, they can (laughs) at times. But like you saw it last year when we didn't have Zeke either. Right, exactly. But when you have Zeke, it's just completely different. You have to game plan for that one guy. I mean, every every game, people game plan to stop Zeke, and only really one team was able to do it this year, and that was the Rams, and we lost in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. So when Zeke's going, the Cowboys team's going to be rolling too. So i got to give my offensive MVP to Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, um, I have my offensive MVP as Ezekiel Elliott as well. Okay, yeah. he's When he gets rolling, when he's rolling, the team's rolling. And it's very rarely the other way around. Well, yeah. It's very rare when the offense is rolling without Zeke rolling, right? Yeah, he's the foundation of that offense. Right, and you just can't say enough good things about him. Mm-hmm. The way he's been off the field this year, he's he's been just a, a leader on that yeah, team. Yeah, he's really developed into that leader position. What about defensive MVP? 
See, defensive MVP, I want to give it to Demarcus Lawrence. Except I re- I have a lot of names down one. on my list. Got a big and I, I'm also trying to figure out, I'm trying to decide between that linebacker core also. But I think I am going to give it to De- Demarcus Lawrence just because of how versatile he is on that line. I mean, he can put pressure on the QB, but then he's also smart enough to realize whenever he's getting sucked in and he'll make a tackle for a loss. And ju- He's just an all-around great defensive player. So I got to give it to Demarcus Lawrence. Yeah, just listeners, we didn't discuss these picks beforehand. We, I just told Avery which are the different awards, and we did it privately. And this is the first time we're talking about them. It's just my defensive MVP, Demarcus Lawrence, as well. Just his ability to, he's got double-digit sacks back-to-back years now. That wasn't a one-hit, one-year wonder. And also his progression and his skill set to be a great run defender. I think he's a top five all-around defensive end in the NFL, and that's just look at the tape. He jumps off. He's a, he's amazing. He made that hot boys thing. He is a tank. He's a tank. Know? That whole like quote before the Saints game was just <laughs> it, it, it built bulletin board material or whatever for the Saints. No, it, it helped the Cowboys. It mm-hmm. gave them that mindset and it worked. Yeah. And so and when he's on a roll like Zeke, it just he can be a game breaker. For sure. And so now let's talk about rookie of the year. Uh, I'll, I'll go on this one. I think it's pretty obvious. Leighton Vander Esch. What do yeah. you have? My, I have LVE also. Okay, good. <laughs> it's funny. We were, we were kind of, you know, we were writing our list down, and I walked past you, and I was like, you know, I think we're going to have a lot of similar stuff on this, but that's the thing. I wanted to put Gallup down just because I have fallen in love with Gallup this season, I but know. it's undeniable. Finding where Gallup would yeah, place in these It's awards. undeniable that, uh, you know, LVE is you know, the rookie of the year for this Cowboys uh, defense and just, you know, rookie of the year in general. Right. He's he's amazing. He's definitely in the top three for defensive rookie of the year. Him pro Jeremy. bowler. He's a pro bowler now because yep. he was a alternate. And, yeah, it just – I mean, I've been looking to the draft for this upcoming draft. And um, I'm just thinking back to when we picked him in the first round – I was so down. I was like, eh, on the pick, right? Like, I thought he was going to be a good, like, he could be a good backup. But this year, he came in, and Sean Lee went out, and the Cowboys were better with Leighton Van Der Esch on the field than with Sean Lee on the field. Yeah, not, who would have ever guessed that? <laughs> and that's just amazing. That The Wolf Hunter, I mean, he, he and Jalen, that's so fun to watch them after every tackle. They, oh, I know, They're yeah. just, like, headbutting and stuff. That's He's a fun player to watch, and I'm excited to watch him develop with a whole other offseason as that number one, like the starting linebacker. Yeah. So now we'll go into most improved player. Who do you have as most improved player? You know, I really struggled with this most improved player. There was a there was a lot of you know people I wanted to put, but I think I found a way to squeeze my guy in there. Oh. Michael Gallup. I I don't know. He just you know, you saw him, you know, the beginning of the season, he wasn't too great. He he was still, you know, effective. And at times you're like, is he going to be the number one? You know, mm-hmm. this is before we had Amari Cooper. But then, you know, throughout the season, he just got better and better. And his routes came crisper. And all of a sudden, he was getting more open. There were some missed throws with Dak and him. That, but I'm excited to see an off season. Yeah, he had between, 100 yards yeah, as well. He had, yeah, the last, his last, you know, game as a rookie, he had 100 games against the, 100 yards against the Rams. 
I mean, he improved quite quite a bit this season. So I got I got to squeeze in Michael Gallup, just one of my favorite players right now. Yeah, definitely. I was torn between him and my final pick was Jalen Smith. His story will always be something just fun to talk about. Top five prospect coming to the draft, tears his ACL, his MCL, gets nerve damage. People think he'll never be able to play football again. Cowboys take take a gamble, take him in the second round. Last year was his first year starting, and you could see that drop foot affecting him. You could see some plays, like, oh, that's a really good play, but then you just never saw that explosiveness. Yeah. This year, you saw that explosion. He was all over the field. I remember that one play with Deshaun Watson scrambling, and I mean, he just met him at the goal line. He didn't. He didn't get it, and I was like, "That was that was an explosive, fast play." Yeah, kind of like to, he and Demarcus Lawrence, I think, set the tone for the rest of the defense. Like Leighton Van Der Esch, like we can argue who's better, Leighton Van Der Esch or Jalen Smith. I think it's they. They just kind of different, different roles. styles. Yeah, Jalen Smith, he won't make as many tackles, but his tackle he'll force fumbles and he'll thump you. Yeah, and he's versatile as he can blitz the quarterback. I saw Pro Football Focus showed that. Out of all the off-ball linebackers in the NFL, late uh, Jalen Smith, excuse me, Jalen Smith had the best pressure percentage per blitz. Mm-hmm. It was like twenty-five percent. Yeah, and that's not even counting all the times he just thumps the running back and put, to, to helps collapse the pocket. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's he's just a force. Yeah, I I found a spot to put Jalen Smith on my list. I I was torn between on the comeback player of the year. I had two guys down, and I had Jalen Smith and Byron Jones. And I, I think I'm going to go with Jalen Smith. Not Mari Cooper? No. <laughs> no. I was I, – because, you know, well, first of all, Byron Jones, you know, he we've always kind of bounced him around on that defense. You know, we haven't played corner, safety, just all kind of stuff. And then this year we were like, you're going to stick to corner. And he's an, he's a pro bowler. Right. And so he had a, he had a great season, better than the last – so that was one reason I thought about him being a comeback player of the year. But I think I'm going to go with Jalen Smith, just for everything you've said. You really saw him progress this year without that brace on. He's explosive. He's quick. And, I mean, when he hits you, you're going to feel it. He has that power. So I think I'm going to go with Jalen Smith on my comeback player of the year rather than most improved. Right. So my comeback player of the year, I was torn between Amari Cooper and Randy Gregory. And the difference is Randy Gregory – I, I gave the nod to Randy Gregory just because I think he was fighting more adversity than Amari Cooper. So our not. I mean, Randy Gregory, he's had drug problems, just suspensions, suspensions. People didn't even think he was going to be on, like play a game for the Cowboys again. I was one of those. But he played, and he by the, the bye week, he was amazing. Yep. He got he was became productive a productive pass rusher at that right defensive end spot. And that's another... I mean, this season, which is a season of comebacks, you talk about Amari Cooper, Randy Gregory, Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, Dak Prescott to a degree. Yeah. And it was just... It was a, it was a, it was fun to watch. It was a really fun season. It was a frustrating season. season. Yeah, at the beginning, it was, it was just like, oh, no. But then it got... It was a great season. I, I enjoyed it. One of my favorite seasons I can remember. Yeah, so now let's talk about... Your underrated player of the year. Yeah, I just gotta say we did not talk about this at the beginning, but aren't we have a lot of names that are very similar on this? Because I have Dak or Randy Gregory for my most underrated. 
you know, Dak gets talked about a lot, right? You know, they throw a lot of his stats out there, but when you, they talk about who's going to win you the football game, they'll always choose the other opposing quarterback than Dak, you know. Right. I still think Dak is very underrated, and I think we're going to see Dak keep progressing and keep becoming a better QB every year. But So I had him down as one of my underrated guys, even though he's a big name, you know, the Dallas Cowboys QB. I still don't think he gets enough credit. Uh, and then I had Gregory as well. You know, I really he had a comeback season. And, you know, they were always – Gregory would find a way, you know, when um, D-Law's on the other side rushing, they'd always have the running back chip on him and stuff for a good reason, right? But then there's Gregory on the other side who's still right there putting pressure on. And so I just think he was one of the underrated guys that they probably still game plan for, but not, you know – as much as they should have, and I think he's going to have an even better season right. next year. And so, yeah, I was thinking about putting Dak Prescott at the spot because, I mean, he's definitely underrated. If you look at, since Amari Cooper joined the team, Dak's been a top seven quarterback in almost every statistical category. And so, I, he's very underrated. But I went with Antoine Woods. This guy, we saw him at pre-training camp and preseason, and he was making moves against Zach Martin and Travis Frederick. And before the season, though, that was a big concern. And for most of the season, these Antoine Woods was a big player on the Hot Boys. I mean, he had that bad game in the playoffs against the Rams, but every defensive lineman had a bad game that game. Mm-hmm. And so I think Antoine Woods, I, defensive tackle is still an area of need, but I think he will be... A very good player for the Cowboys in these next few years. Yeah, I mean, Jalen Smith went on to, uh, I don't remember what it was, but he was with Michael Irving, and he gave the MVP of the Hot Boys defense to Anton, Antoine, Antoine Woods. Wood. Yeah. Oh, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, he's so underrated. Nobody talks about him because he's this big like defensive tackle. He's not a pass rusher, but he can eat up blocks, and he was one of the reasons that Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith were so good. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Antoine Woods had his worst game of the season— Jalen Smith and Van Der Esch had their worst games of the season For against sure. the Rams. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, those they kind of feed off each other. Yeah. Also, wasn't he battling a torn, um, torn shoulders? Yeah, something in torn his shoulder. Torn pec or something. Something you know something that does not body. sound fun. He's yeah. playing through it. And yeah, that that is intense. He's he's a yeah, he's a man. He's scary, but he seems like a funny guy too. Yeah. All the videos from the locker room. That is all we have for you today. Feel free to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. Once again, head over to dallas-football-news.com shop. That link will be in the description below. And time for our newsletter to get 10% off all items. And you'll be updated with our latest podcasts, our latest articles and blogs. This is Sundays are for the boys.